0: i have a really great analogy that i want to get to later um for how this film made me feel but i can't i can't say it right now one because i think tj might flip out but two Uh because because it's the all my analogies for it are very spoiler laden and i Mm. kind of i want to save that till we kind of go through some of the likes and dislikes
1: this is movie by episode 70 movie bite is a show where we discuss praise lament or lampoon movies trailers tv shows and more we're recording on tuesday november 26 2013 i'm your host tj and i'm joined in the arena down by the cornucopia by mike fizzle and chad hopkins how are you fellas doing great (laughs) what's up people well, excellent. Uh, you know, this week I um, I didn't plan a lot to talk about other than Catching Fire. Uh, last week we had a nice little chat about uh, movie piracy, Chad. You and I, and uh, and the MPAA and how stupid they are, and Star Wars and that sort of thing. And so I finished the outline for the Catching Fire bit, and I thought, you know, we probably should have just a little bit of pre-show chat. And I thought one thing that we haven't talked about on here is kind of what other stuff we watch besides what you know what we're actually reviewing on the podcast. So uh, I thought we'd just uh you know, I'm thinking TV shows, but they can be other movies that you've gone to the theater and seen that you enjoyed and just give a brief bit about them if if I can uh worm that out of you guys. Uh so what what do you think? Who wants to who wants to go and and talk about that? Go first.
2: Um I think the only thing that I've seen in theaters aside from catching fire and other things we've talked about on the show is Twelve Years a Slave. I saw that a couple weeks ago. And it was very good, very difficult film to watch, um, but it was very well done, and it'll probably win lots of awards.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna completely go with Chad here. Everything he just said, I, I would say that Twelve Years a Slave, though it was very difficult to watch, has was probably my favorite movie that I've seen this year, um, Well, the best movie that I've seen this year. Not, you know, not the most fun or anything like that, but it, it certainly should win just piles of awards and, but it's not for the faint of heart.
2: No.
1: Yeah. We had, we'd sort of at least halfway planned on talking about it on the podcast and we may still, we'll see how the movies, uh, pan out for the rest of the year. But Chad messaged me and said, I don't know if we want to talk about this in the movie bite podcast, you know, it's pretty heavy and, and, uh, yeah you know i'm not I'm not necessarily opposed to it, but I said, you know what there's other movies we can talk about and that that'll be a little less heavy and a little less uh what's the word I'm looking for kind of just i don't know disheartening or, or whatever so we'll maybe we'll yeah. circle back around that was that was and I haven't seen it yet I'd like to I'd very much like to so
0: well, I did agree with uh chad i saw I saw his note on that that said it would definitely be probably out of the norm of what usually gets talked about on movie bite mm-hmm. it, it has a more independent vibe but you know you're probably not going to get a ton of people who will actually get a chance to see it right or or be really interested in seeing it's probably got a pretty narrow audience unfortunately because i mean a lot of people are going to miss out on just this amazing piece of cinema but i mean we get those every year right you know yeah. you, right the best the best picture nominees or you know cinematography nominees come out and you're like i ain't even heard of this movie uh, so <laughs> I, I imagine it's going to get a lot of a lot of traction then. But. Yeah,
1: I mean I'm not opposed to talking about independent films by any means, it just seems like we we do tend to gravitate towards the bigger, you know, wider release stuff.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. that's that's what most that's the average person is interested in. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I I'd say outside of that in the theater, uh I was very excited this past weekend. I I'm a Doctor Who fan. Called The uh, Day of the Doctor.
1: Yeah, how you say it, who, whovian is
0: that what I'm, a, I'm a Hoovian? yes <laughs> uh, so i the the 50th anniversary episode of dr who came on and it was a pretty amazing episode there's a now a guinness record for what simulcast out there for for that episode from this past saturday uh, looking forward to the christmas episode and then the next season of that uh, there's yeah, tons, you, of, tons of TV we're also watching too, but
1: I'm not sure why you'd ever want to swing a dead cat, but you certainly couldn't swing a dead cat on Twitter or Facebook without running into the Doctor Who posts. I mean <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I, I think anyone who gives Doctor Who that's either into sci-fi, uh, any kind of like kind of whodunit mystery, or just in general likes the BBC, Doctor Who fills all those niches and is probably one of the the best longest run i mean there's a reason it's still going on you know and it's and it's been had so many iterations for so long it's not just i don't know i I can't think of a show that's bad that's gone on for too long but
1: (laughs) it it definitely definitely has earned its stripes and Um, i think it's worth it anyone who has the time to put into it i mean bones has been on for eight seasons and you don't particularly like that show if i recall from our little exchange that's a good example nine seasons excuse me (laughs) Uh, which I will freely admit, uh, while we're talking about Bones, that that show started off I thought really good and had had several good seasons, and they just won't end it, and it's gotten really bad. In fact, I find I, I've never done this before. I gave it up. It's still running, and I gave it up because I got so sick of it. So, good.
0: I will say there's there's a, a number of show TV shows this year that I thought I would not really lose interest in, but they have quickly turned downhill, and I can I can tell. And this is something that I feel like we've probably hinted at on this podcast before where there's a difference between good story and the network wanting to make money. Oh, and sure. when those, when those two conflict, it just is very sad.
1: Yes. I, I assume you're going to be talking <laughs> about agents of shield there.
0: No, no, no. Okay. It's just a shield needs time to get its legs. It's disappointing me I, I, from my expectations of it. But it's still better than a lot of things on TV. I I would say uh, I'm a big Homeland fan. Hmm.
2: Uh,
0: I think it's one of the well, seasons one and two of Homeland are some of the best on best TV I've seen, and season three has been a complete letdown because Showtime has said to the writers, you can't like kill characters and do like do X, Y, and Z, and so it completely you know it the the people who are putting the money forward. Are choosing to make money over making good story, but good story is what you know brought the viewers in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, just for an example, I mean, uh, the same thing's happening to Falling Skies. Falling Skies started catching um, a little bit of a cult following in the sci-fi catching genre. fire,
1: you might say. Yeah, it was. Sorry, catching but, fire. sorry.
0: <laughs> but but it, it, the, the, the more and more that goes on, the less and less they know what to do, and the more, the you know, more difficult it is to have consequences for characters because they want to make more seasons of a show i find the walking dead to be this way so that's kind of surprising but like i said i think that's a one of those conversations that actually i think you've hinted at it a lot from articles on the movie bite themselves so if you're not reading the movie bite and you're listening to this you're really missing out
1: oh sure i mean this is this is only (laughs) probably not even half of of what we do at movie bite uh, but it is, it is probably the most fun thing that I do at movie by, but I mean, from my perspective, I think the other stuff is fun for everybody else. Uh, Chad, what else have, have you got? Did you have anything else you wanted to mention?
2: Um, not really. Uh, I'm planning on catching up on or watching Dr. Who I've never watched before, uh, over Christmas break. So
1: there's going to we'll to be a lot of TV shows I catch up on before I try Dr. Who. <laughs> Just, it doesn't look like my kind of thing.
2: <laughs> I've got uh, lots of friends on my back about watching Doctor Who and have been on my yeah. back for a long time, so...
1: I do, too. I do, too. I'll probably watch it at some point or at least parts... or at least the newer episodes. Like, there's, there was a big break, right? Like, there was the old Doctor Who and now there's the new Doctor Who. Is, is, there's kind of, like, a divide there. Is that right, Mike? Yeah, I think <laughs> new
2: Doctor Who restarted, like, 05. Uh,
0: well, yeah, I think it was 04 with, uh, with the ninth Doctor. And so... Yeah. Th- from then on, it it's not that they've changed anything really they just kind of revamped it and kind of kick-started it so you don't really have to see the old stuff to understand the new stuff they incorporate a lot of that and i would for anyone just because it's different eras in tv you know the, the sci-fi in the 60s and 70s is so different obviously than it obviously, is now yeah and i think you have to really have a love for the character and or kind of like B movie, like the people who are really into star Trek, like the original series um, th- th- they don't mind, like the campiness or yeah. like the, 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 frozen face shots for like 10 seconds, yeah. it, it, like, <laughs> that, that, that kind of stuff. That's what you get a lot with the original. Uh, well, not the original runs, but like the, the entire, the entirety of Dr. Who up until uh, somewhere in the mid eighties, yeah. About about that time it starts really transitioning to just like really good stories over kind of B-movie sci-fi. And like I said, it it almost re, almost reboots itself, but doesn't really do a reboot. It just does a like a reimagined continuation.
1: Right, it's all part of the same continuity, is that correct? Yeah. 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 And so. the doctor's the same doctor. He just like changes bodies, I guess. I don't know.
0: Yeah. He, he regenerates. I mean, this is, this is going to be the Dr. Who episode. This is, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to turn, forget catching fire talking about Dr. Who. We, we won't stay here long. Trust me. <laughs> well, but the, the thing is that it really takes off and kind of gives it an updated feel and it's really accessible to a lot of people. Um, it, there's a lot of things, genres that it hits on from, from the kind of 2004 reinvigoration. Like I said, uh, I have I have fans that have compared it to uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, kind of Deep Space Nine type mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. I have people who have compared it to Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I mean, just like you know, it it kind of hits a wide variety of fans, and yet the characters are fun. The stories are typically very good. Um, I mean, it's just fun to watch. Cool. So well, if that's not enough, then oh, just- that's. Go, go watch Bones again. <laughs> no, just, I w- just I w- give up.
1: <laughs> I won't be watching any more Bones. I, I, I like I said, I've given up on that show. The uh, what was it? The last one, whatever it was. I looked at the subject, like because on Hulu you can see like a short description, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> That's it. That was like the the straw that broke the camel's back. I've been feeling that way for a couple of seasons, and but the thing is, like I don't give up on TV shows. Like I just I see oh, them yeah. through. I when I start a show, I will see it through. But I, I couldn't. I just couldn't. It was enough. You know, enough's enough's <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, I, the thing is, like, you guys are talking about movies in addition to TV shows. I really don't watch any movies that I don't talk about in some capacity on Movie Byte. I guess that's because Movie Byte is kind of my my passion project. You know, I, I whatever I'm interested in, I'm talking about in, in terms of movies. However, I, I rarely talk about TV shows on Movie Byte, either on the podcast or on the, on the site. So... Um, kind of what I'm watching right now in terms of TV that I'm really enjoying. I just started Almost Human that just premiered and it had a great two episodes premiere. It was a, basically a premiere on Sunday night and then the second episode on Monday night. That was it was awesome. Did you watch that? Any of you either of you watch that? No. Yeah, it, it's on my list.
0: I have so much to watch.
1: Frankly, I mean, I think hmm I hate to say this cuz I'm really enjoying Agents of Shield, but if I had to give one of them up, at this point I'd give up Agents of Shield and watch Almost Human. Uh, it wow. was that good, and it's you know stars Carl Urban, and I don't recognize any of the other actors, but uh, Carl Urban is worth it alone, of course. Um, so he's he's great. The show's great so far. I mean, it, it really it, you know even the pilot didn't feel overly piloty. I mean, every pilot feels like a pilot, it, but the, it didn't feel like overly pilot, like, like they didn't spend like I think the problem with pilots is they tend to spend way too much time finessing these, and they have to throw so many things out and see which which things stick, you know and and this one didn't feel too much that way. I was I was pretty impressed with it. Yeah, I, I'm
0: probably a nightmare for people who are trying to gauge new shows because I have so much that I'm watching now that I have to have like a legion of people tell me that I need to watch a new show or it usually mm. is working into season 3 of something where I can, you know, I can Netflix two seasons real quick to catch up before I usually commit to new shows, which is, you know, unfortunately where almost human is. I mean, honestly, shield is about the only show and it's only because it's, you know, got that Joss Whedon backing and and Marvel. Duh. Yeah. Well, and because (laughs) well, see, that's the thing. Maybe if it was Marvel, Marvel, I would have possibly let it slide to uh, catch it when I can. But you know, I'm, I'm very big into trying to support any everything Joss Whedon does because he's, uh, come through more than he's let me down. Sure. And, so. and
1: I think even, even though I think this may be one of his lesser efforts and he's not directly involved as much as we would like, yeah. I, I still feel like this will be a win for him. I mean, ultimately. So, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying agents of shield. That's the second one I was going to mention. Um, I really do enjoy it. It's, it's no Buffy. Uh, <laughs> but, but has anything Joss Whedon done ever lived up to Buffy yet? I don't know. I don't uh, think so. Uh, Firefly. No. Hmm. And Firefly was good. Firefly may be a second best favorite of mine. But I I think in totality Buffy and even Angel were probably my favorites of, favorites of his and and that was back when he was still maybe this is my um what what, what show you call it uh what's the term a uh, hipster. You're,
0: you're, you're, oh okay I thought
1: you're Desert Island a little bit like oh now he's going mainstream and I don't know it's not as good maybe <laughs> maybe it's that because Buffy and Angel were really not mainstream I mean they have kind of picked up cult following over the years. But I I mean, then they were on TV and everything, but it wasn't like they were like this big mainstream thing at the time. I don't think, I don't know. Well,
0: so, so Chad, do you, I mean, do you even really catch TV that often?
1: Not
2: really. If I watch TV, it's, uh, Netflix usually, um, Breaking Bad was the exception this year, um, in which I watched the final eight episodes live. Um, Mm. but other than that, it's, oh, somebody recommended this. I have the free time. Let's watch it on Netflix. And then i can usually usually binge watch it.
0: Yeah. Well, and that that goes to something TJ has been a big fan of, too. You know, like the Netflix is the new wave, right? Right. This is why it's so hard for me to really get behind watching a show when it comes out. I'm like, why would I want to watch it week to week, wait a whole week to watch this again when I can just basically watch it all in like a day and a half. Right. I, well, I get what
1: you're saying, but I, I like to actually keep up with a show. Um, and, and it, it kind of helps regulate me, too, because the shows that I have gone that have been all available, I've, I binge watch and then I run out of them and then I'm and then I'm sad. <laughs> uh, but but kind of keeping up with the show. And I, I mean, I do it, you know, day after on Hulu. So I'm not like watching it, you know, oh, sitting down here. at 8 o'clock or whatever. But but at the same time, it's like it's really fun for me to kind of keep up with the conversation in, in on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever and and to kind of be in the moment with it. I've, I've really kind of enjoyed that aspect of it. So I get what you're what? saying, though. The, and, and the one thing that's made me rethink that, at least I never – I didn't go through with it. But after I finished Battlestar Galactica, I thought as, as I really loved the show, really, really, really loved the show. And then all of a sudden that last episode – <laughs> and it's like maybe I should wait till shows are over and then hear the consensus before I watch them and be disappointed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Battlestar Galactica ended so badly. It was the worst show ending I think I've ever seen. Ever. Speaking
0: speaking of people choosing money over story, um, I, you know, I feel like you, when you, when I went through Battlestar Galactica, I also came through it once it was over and I remember after like season three or four or somewhere like right in there, I said, Oh, this is where the writers who said, well, you know, they cut, you could tell they kind of pitched this idea. That's where they thought the story was going to end. But sci-fi was obviously like money. Yeah. Keep going. That
1: could be because I think you're right as a whole, even though I thought season four was fine, I thought it maybe didn't live up as quite as much to the previous Mm. seasons.
0: Well, it looked like there's like a running joke in my circle of friends that, Whenever they were asked to make more, or any time that the writers of *Battlestar Galactica* were asked to make more episodes, they basically threw all the remaining names of characters in a hat, and whoever they pulled out became a Cylon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was so random and almost non-like,
1: you know, continuous. So it was basically like Cylon roulette, you know. I don't know if I believe that though. Some of those looked like they were planned from the beginning. Well. <laughs> I don't know, you disagree apparently.
0: Well, I wouldn't necessarily say since the beginning, but you
1: can like I think
2: there somewhere was, along the line
1: there were certainly that, nods at certain characters that turned out to be Cylons and I, I won't yeah. give anything away in case nobody's seen it. I mean, it's it's still I still feel like having come away from my anger, it's a, I'm a, I'm a, several years removed from my anger now at the last <laughs> episode and I feel like I actually want to go watch it again and just not watch the last 20 minutes of the last episode. Cuz that's really and, and a friend of mine even said what happens if you cut the last twenty? Because he's a, he was a fan too, and he's like, if you don't just if you just stop it right at this certain point, and I knew exactly what point. And I'm saying, oh, you know what? That actually would work because it was really the last twenty minutes that you're like, say what? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. There There's some points
0: in the last season that anyway, we're getting way off. Yeah, topic. we're
1: uh, well. I mean, I don't know if it's off topic. We want I wanted to talk about stuff that we watch in addition to movies, so. Uh, The only I just wanted to mention one of the show that I'm really enjoying that has I I really didn't know if season two was going to be any good. And it's really made a strong comeback, despite some of my misgivings earlier and mid mid to late season one. uh, And that's Revolution. Revolution has been a tremendous show, one that I really look forward to watching. uh, So every every time it comes on so far. So Uh, that's kind of my my lineup of new shows. So if you either one of you all have anything else to add, uh, feel free. If not, we'll move on to Catching Fire. (laughs)
2: Well, either I do. Of you pla- I, oh. go ahead, Chad. Oh. Either of you plan on seeing Frozen or any of the other releases coming out this week?
1: Uh, for Disney me, Disney film Frozen. Think, yeah, for me, it depends on uh, what. I mean, first of all, I probably won't see anything this weekend, given that uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas decorating and other. Th- and I'm working feverishly on the movie byte redesign of the website, so I've I've mm-hmm. started that and it's underway, but. um I don't know if I'll see anything this weekend or not. I may have to wait till Monday, but we're planning on. Uh, what, what did I say, Chad? Uh, oh, The Book Thief the next book week. The Book Thief uh, is in theaters now, so we're going to talk about that. So that's what I will be seeing. I don't know if I want to have a chance to see Frozen. We'll, we'll have to see what develops and what we talk about on Movie Bite. Yes. Yeah, I, I've actually,
0: like, watching the preview for Frozen, there is nothing in the preview that makes me think that I really want to see this movie, but it's been getting really great reviews, so it's kind of in the back of my mind. But at the same time, what you just mentioned, The Book Thief actually being in places that I can watch it. And I believe I'll have to double check again later this week. But I think Mandela will be in theaters somewhere around me. And Yeah, I,
2: I was reading that earlier today, too, that it comes out this week, at least in limited release in places, yeah, I yeah. think.
1: I, I can't find it in Nashville. I've looked because I, I, that was one of the things I was considering for next week for the podcast as well.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if I can catch Mandela, I've been, you know, obviously it's been well documented at Movie Byte that I'm a, (laughs) I have a man crush on Idris Elba. Yes. So I I want to see that very badly. But also, you know, the, this two week like waiting for the book thief since uh, we all thought we'd be able to see it is killing me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's frustrating too. Like how do you find out when a movie is not going to be playing near you when it's not, it doesn't seem that information does not seem to be readily available. And they're advertising the heck out of it. It's like they
0: think we're just average moviegoers who are like, what do you guys want to do tonight? Let's go to the movies. Oh, I wonder what's playing. Who does that? We're experienced. We want to know about the <laughs> advance.
1: I would have planned on movie watching. I'm, totally. I mean, I, I do.
0: No, no. I th- I, I, obviously, I do too. And ch- I think, you know, Chad obviously having ChadLikesMovies.com uh, yeah. is, is doing the same thing.
1: Yeah. Well, but I mean, even before I was running Movie it, I would always like plan out my movies ahead of time and say, here's the movies I'm going to see this year. Uh, you know, and, and as new ones would come up, I'd add to the list or subtract depending on what I read or saw or anything. So I've all, I've, I don't understand the mindset of, hey, let's go see what's playing at the cinema. I, I don't get that at all. <laughs> that's just, well, that's, it's
0: just weird. <laughs> that's why none of us understand why people would be like, yeah, I- Grown up seems like a good idea.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. Even if I if I drove out to the cinema not knowing what was playing and saw that, I don't know that I would think that.
0: Well, you know, people are like, <laughs> you, you woke up, you see a poster, it's got Adam Sandler. You're like, oh, Adam Sandler's made some funny movies for the, you know, he has? For the general public. <laughs>
1: the, you know,
0: and you're like, I bet that's, you know, I remember that one guy from Everybody Loves the big you know, king of queens or whatever surely yeah. this will be funny and they pay money and then they're you know that's buyer's remorse <laughs> <You totally laughs> at, least I,
1: at least i hope it is <laughs> would be for me uh well shall we talk about catching fire we should move on to catching fire yeah we probably should all right, so the Hunger Games: Catching Fire. This is the follow-up to uh, Gary Ross's uh, The Hunger Games. Uh, uh, both all these films uh, are and will be based on the novels by Suzanne Collins. Uh, this one opened in theaters on November the twenty-second of this year. It had a budget of a hundred thirty million. The original only had a budget of seventy-eight. So they're very happy with this franchise and they upped the budget. Opening weekend, it brought in three hundred sixteen point nine million worldwide. You think they made might have made a little bit of money on that? Just, just just a little. little. Uh, 117 of that was domestic. 146 million is foreign uh, money. Uh, so of course it's the first weekend, so uh, we don't have a like a big total worldwide. But 360 million is like that's that's better than some films have made in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the critical acclaim from Rotten Tomatoes is smart, smoothly directed, and enriched with a deeper exploration of the franchise's thought-provoking themes. Catching Fire proves a thoroughly compelling second installment in the Hunger Games series this film was directed by francis lawrence because thankfully gary ross said i don't know i mean that was all on board with the first one i don't know what i'd do for the second one blah 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 so they went and hired uh, the guy who did i am legend and constantine i haven't seen constantine i have seen i am legend uh don't. what don't don't skip, what? Con- skip constantine okay Trust i mean me. i just i've heard of it but I, I don't really know anything about it so you're saying it's no good oh it's awful have you seen it chad I have not. Okay. I did see I am legend. Have both of you guys seen I am legend? Yes. 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 I loved it until the end and I hated it. And then I've, I've heard (laughs) and I haven't had a chance to do it yet. I actually have it available to me. The uh, alternate ending version is much better. I've heard.
2: Yes. It's true to the original book by Richard Matheson.
1: What do you have an opinion on that? uh,
2: Uh, (laughs) I mean, I, I really like it. It, um, it, instead of, Keeping the monsters as monsters, it it sort of has this sort of theme twist where you realize that the monsters of uh, or the monster of the monsters is Will Smith. So they're each other's monster. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, that was very poorly worded.
1: But um, (laughs) yeah, I'm not sure what you mean.
2: Okay, where uh, Will Smith's character was hunting down these monsters trying to kill them, trying to find a way to cure them, whatever you want to say. Um in the ending, in the alternate ending, he realizes that just as much as they were his monster, he was their monster. Interesting. And yeah, it, it's a really interesting concept. And uh I, I think the reason they changed it was it didn't work well with test. I, I don't I don't know what the reasoning was, but I like the alternate ending better.
0: What about you fizz? I completely agree. I think one of the best parts about it is the alternate ending shows exactly what Chad's saying, that whole hopefully mind blowing kind of concept that even things that you assume are like evil or bad can be scared of something. Mm
1: -hmm. And Uh it's,
0: you know, sometimes not what you think. And so what, what I liked about the movie was the alternate ending because I was very frustrated with the original ending, but throughout the movie, I thought, the way it was directed let, made me you know or put me on the edge of my seat the entire movie i was just enthralled with what was going on you know and, and it's and i think it's hard to do that when you have basically one character
1: in a movie you know yeah, right yeah and that's i mean we'll, we'll move on to the movie we're actually reviewing here in a minute but <laughs> it is it is an interesting though analysis of francis lawrence who I mean I suppose there is similarities between his direction style here in in The Hunger Games and uh, his direction style of I Am Legend, mm-hmm. and it was it was a very visually compelling film as I recall. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it, it and I really liked it and wanted to like it, and and I I went and saw it with a friend of mine, and uh, we both looked at each other at the movie and said, I don't think I liked it. I wanted to like it, but <laughs> it just sort of like fell completely flat with that ending. So. Um, and it's interesting. Some people are, are saying the same thing about this film. Of course, that wasn't really in Francis Lawrence's control
2: yeah. um,
1: that was based on the book. And, and interestingly, The Hunger Games Catching Fire sticks very close to the book, but, but in a really good way. Sometimes that works really poorly and that worked really well in this film. Yes. Well, I'd,
0: I'd say people who thought the ending of Catching Fire fell flat or was disappointing are probably the same people who went to see Grown Ups
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just get that out there right now. Okay. All right. Well, just a few more uh, things here. Jennifer Lawrence, of course, returning, starring as Katniss Everdeen, uh, probably the best casting choice made in this entire film franchise. Uh, of course, she's been in X Men First Class and Silver Linings Playbook, uh, one of which I have seen and one of which I have not. Uh, also starring Liam Hemsworth as Gale, uh, Josh Hutcherson as uh, uh, PETA. Uh, he's, uh, he was in Journey to the Center of the Earth. That's the only thing I recognized that he had been in. Um, also starring Woody Harrelson as uh, Hamish Abernathy. Uh, it's pretty good casting choice there. Uh, not quite what I had envisioned from reading the book. I don't know about you guys. I would envisioned a little bit fatter, plumper, more gray hair than, than Woody offers. But, uh, you know, decent. Um, Elizabeth Banks, uh, Donald Sutherland, Stanley Tucci, Lenny Kravitz, Willow Shields, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, Jeffrey Wright, Amanda Plummer, and Jenna Malone. Music by uh, by the returning James Newton Howard. So, uh, Fizz, why don't you tell us just uh, a little bit about uh, the story here? Well, wait, my impressions or? Are... Uh, well, actually, I was talking about just like the general outline of. Oh, of, of I got to go.
0: I got to go read that then
1: you don't have our outline in front of you i do i've been looking at the likes and dislikes
0: so i can get ready to debate you guys about it draw your sword all right all right so the story so in the in uh, hunger games catching fire we find uh, katniss everdeen has returned home safe after winning the 74th annual hunger games along with fellow tribute pita malark Winning means that they must turn around and leave their family and close friends, embarking on a victor's tour of the districts. Along the way, Katniss senses that a rebellion is simmering, but the Capitol is still very much in control as President Snow prepares the 75th annual Hunger Games, or the Quarter Quell, as we come to learn what, the, what they kind of call it. But it's a
1: competition that could change Panem forever. All right, guys, let's, let's dissect this film. One of you, one of you all, just speak up and talk over each other and have at it.
2: It was better than the first one. Agreed. Agreed.
1: Done. <laughs> done. We're we're done here. Anything else? Okay, <laughs> we're,
2: we're done. We can we can
0: leave. Well, um, I ha- I, th- I have a really great analogy that I want to get to later um, for how this film made me feel, but I can't I can't say it right now. One because I think TJ might flip out, but two Uh-oh. B- because. Because it's the all my analogies for it are very spoiler laden, and Mm. I kind of I want to save that till we kind of go through some of the likes and dislikes. Yeah. So without hitting that, needing to remind myself that I have it, I I will say that Catching Fire completely surprised me.
1: It Um, did. See, it didn't surprise me. I was very happy, and I had expected to be happy.
0: Well, see, I, I thought it would be a slightly better version of the first film. But it was—I think it was vastly superior. Oh, Uh, for sure. This coming from someone—I haven't read the books.
1: Oh, see, I was about to ask you that. Yeah.
0: So I found that I enjoyed the first film much much less than people who had. Like, I mean, I remember my wife's read the books. I went to see it with her. She was like, "Oh, I really like that film," and I was like, "Well, it was a movie." (laughs) I mean, like, it, it, it wasn't bad. But I mean, like, you know, something I never I I was never like, oh, I really want to see that movie again. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way. I probably would have given the first Hunger Games like maybe three stars, um, three, three to three, five, maybe. Uh, Because like I said, it was enjoyable at the time, but it never really grabbed me. It never really like sucked me into the story. Uh, I mean, there was cool parts. There were uncool parts. But this film, The Catching Fire, from basically the very outset it
1: grabbed me and never let me go yes i think that was pretty much everybody's experience whether you had read the book or not
0: yeah and so like having still not read the books i was completely enthralled with the story and the characters and you know and i I had not had something to compare that to like i wasn't just waiting to see my imagination on screen okay i I thought the story was great
1: well chad and i have read the books is that true chad you've read the book it's true um, I I was just looking to make sure I was right on this. I rated The Hunger Games, the first film, four out of five stars. So you're a little below me on that. Um, but I it's not because... I mean, okay, so let's talk about the first film a little bit. Um, I had a real problem with some of the things that Gary Ross did in that film. And I enjoyed it in spite of Gary Ross. I think he had a really strong sense of the story. And he had really awful execution and cinematic details. Just terrible. Uh, he... he he chose the wrong camera angles. He uh, chose to focus on the wrong things. He didn't ever hold the camera still so you could see what was happening. He didn't have good choreography. Uh, I, and I enjoyed the film in spite of those things. That, that's my opinion of the first Hunger Games film. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: um, sorry. The uh, Catching Fire actually made me reevaluate my opinion of the first film. Um, because <laughs> I, I walked away from the first film really enjoying it. I originally had it rated about four and a half out of five. Just... The book was fresh in my mind. I watched the film. It was pretty accurate. I was I was good. I was pleased. And uh, after watching Catching Fire, I sort of went, you know, was it as good as I originally thought? I don't think so. And so I actually lowered my rating just a little bit. Uh, I also have it uh, at four of uh, five.
1: So so you're saying that because uh, Francis Lawrence showed us how good the, the Hunger Games could be made, that the it, the first one you're you're not giving Gary Ross as much of a pass. Right, Yeah, I I think he was absolutely, unfortunately, uh, as much as he had a good sense of the story and as good of a job he did at directing Jennifer Lawrence herself, I think, unfortunately, his other flaws made him the wrong choice to direct that first film. And I'll have to rethink I'll have to think about that. But um, I I did rate the film four out of five because I didn't ultimately enjoy the film and I will go watch it again. I'll, I'll probably even watch it again before these films are done being made, uh, but I will certainly sit down and watch the entire. Uh, it's not a trilogy anymore, if it, since it's four films, quadrilogy, whatever you call it. Um, <laughs> I, I will probably watch the entire sequence, you know, once they're all out on on Blu-ray. So um, I, I, it's not that I hate the film. It's just that man, I really wish Gary Ross had made some better choices in that first film. So uh, yeah, but I mean overall, like the. You know, the other aspect, the reason I think that I really enjoy The Hunger Games uh, is the cultural commentary and, and the, the idea that, you know, where do some of these things that we're seeing in our current culture lead? And this is a, a, a fictionalization, you know, and I think some things are exaggerated, but I think you can see kind of the logical conclusions of of where some of this is going, you know? I, I don't know. <clears throat> I, I feel like you're going to have something to say about that, Fizz.
0: No, I mean – we can get into, I guess that kind of discussion, but I I try to leave some of that kind of at the door. I I, I think it's worth talking about, but I I guess I didn't prepare a whole lot because I didn't think you, I didn't think you'd want to. Well, I mean, I
1: don't mind talking about this sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, I mean, mean,
0: like, give me, give me, give me an example of something that you really feel is, is something that they're, they're commenting on or, uh, Wait, well, just give us an example. Give, give help, Chad and I out here.
1: Okay, um, and this is and this is a uh, boy. So you have these people in the Capitol who are uh, they look very eerily familiar. If you've ever seen uh, Miley Cyrus or Lady Gaga in the headlines or in the news, <laughs> these people in the Capitol look eerily familiar, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you got basically a whole culture of of these sorts of people. Uh, who are living it up in the capital to the detriment of those in the districts? Now, I am very much a free market capitalist type of person, so that's not what I'm talking about here. And and the thing that frustrated me too recently, I saw an article comparing the capital uh, to uh, a, a capitalist system. Like the, the the Hunger Games is about putting down the capitalist system. Well, I've got news for those people. We haven't had true capitalism in this country for a very long time. <laughs> so um, it, it just – it really kind of irked me. It, it, it's, it's like they completely missed the point of what was going on here. What we had in The Hunger Games is a totalitarian regime and, and nothing like a free market. So I, I don't want to make this completely political or anything, but I, I, I think that my kind of being drawn to The Hunger Games story has to do with kind of those, those issues.
0: Well, I mean, I can completely get behind that. I think it's very easy for a culture that looks at how the two main, I guess, parties in this country, at least, like argue back and forth about what it looks like to do this or what it looks like to do that. Someone could confuse this for a capitalist society, but it's obviously (laughs) not a capitalistic society. Yeah. Um, Given in, you know, from, how I understand things and my own views that I, I don't think that it's a completely false analogy because there are certain things that you can either hold people down militarily or you can hold them down economically. Sure. And like I said, I don't think I don't think it's without merit. Uh but I, I think a, a straight straight comparison is probably unfair But the thing I love about movies and the thing I love that we're going to talk about when when I I get to do this on the Real World Theology podcast is where those uh, where those things intersect and the fact that movies like this are awesome because they make us have to address these issues.
1: Sure. At at least makes you think. I mean, there's no doubt that The Hunger Games uh, has a really kind of a uh, exaggerated view you know, but but at the same time, you like these people. This is reality TV for these people. That was that was one of the right. things I meant to bring out was the reality TV aspect. Which I personally I can't stand reality TV. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and
0: I'm guessing I'm guessing you've probably never seen The Running Man. What's that? A movie with Arnold reality Schwarzenegger. TV. No, I don't yeah, watch R- movies with that.
1: In general, I and don't watch movies that Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh,
0: the. The, actually, the, when i watched the first Hunger Games movie or actually I, my wife was telling me about the Hunger Games books, I, I was like, you mean like Running Man? <laughs> and so then she had no idea what I was talking about. So I went and found Running Man and we watched it and she got a good laugh out of that analogy. I don't know if Chad's ever seen Running Man, but I, yeah. I thought. Yeah. Wait, did you, did you say ooh? No, he said no. I
2: said no. No, oh, I haven't. Sorry.
0: Come on, guys. You're killing me here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, just go to Wikipedia and read the synopsis for The Running Man, and you'll probably anyway.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I think that The Hunger Games raises, raises imp- important cultural questions. In any event, uh, you know, I, I mean, regardless of whether that can or, or would or does happen, kind of in our current culture or where we're headed, you know, I I, I feel like you know frankly again we're we're going to move on from politics here in just a minute but i i feel like <laughs> our our current culture and and where we're at in the united states right now and i am sorry for those of you who might listen who aren't in the united states i'm sorry we're in the united states it's the only comparison that i know how to make i feel like our i feel like things are going to kind of break down before we get to this point we we just can't continue the way we are <laughs> it's just not going to happen something is going to give but, I mean, it's an interesting thing, you know, what's going on in Pan Am for sure,
0: well, I guess I have a question too Chad, did you go see this movie with other people, or did you go see it by yourself? Uh, I saw it with other people now, like when you left, like did any kind of questions about like just the entire system of Pan Am like did were those conversations happening afterwards?
2: With, like, I didn't hear people? any no
0: like what what were they mainly talking about when they left?
2: Uh well, the people I was with uh they had read the books as well, and so they were just talking about how good it was uh as an adaptation mostly mm. Mm. yeah, there wasn't a lot of deep conversation
1: and that has been a concern of mine is that these films are being consumed only for their entertainment value and and completely devaluing what the book is even books are even trying to address
0: i know it's like someone should have a podcast. Where you take a film
1: and you look at the narrative and look at how it's influencing culture. Movies are not mindless. That's what I hear. (laughs) They're modern-day pulpits, actually, is what I hear. Uh, Some people
0: would say that. Yes. Crazy people.
1: Yeah. So, um, but, but, you know, okay. So moving off from that topic, uh, and not, 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 you know, everybody's tuned out now, so it really doesn't matter. We can talk about anything we want. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think that the films, uh, you know, the second film and, and even with the first film, I was impressed with how they essentially took very poorly written books that had, you know, there was decent story behind the books, but the execution of the writing left so much to be desired. Um, you know, first person present tense is never, ever, 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 <laughs> ever, 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 ever a good idea, ever. And ever. never, ever. ever. D- they didn't memorize enough "ever"s <laughs> in that in that rule. Um, and and I think that that really showed some weaknesses in the book that I was afraid we're going to translate into. Okay, they're they're going to be thinking, how can we make this really feel present and, and that we're in Katniss's head. And Gary Ross, to his credit, really didn't go there. Like he said, you know what? That's the book's shtick. But we're gonna we're gonna tell the st- the story, but we're gonna be a little bit more outside of it and looking in, and that works so much better. And in this this film, really takes that to a new level, I think.
2: Yes, um, I, I I agree about the whole the, the way the books are written. Um, being inside Katniss's head, uh, inside a teenage girl's head, isn't ideal for me. No.
1: Um,
2: um, and so I think that's where the films really work. And especially in this film where they introduce even more characters, uh, and you get to know the other tributes a little bit better this time around. Um, yeah, a little bit, it, it, it works better for me because you're not just focusing on the one character like you are in the book.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, we've already established off, uh, I guess outside the podcast, that I have problems knowing how to read. You know, a little <laughs> in, in, inside joke between all of us.
1: What, so what, what, one word, I'd, one word, my friend. Audiobooks. Audiobooks. So or is that two words? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Uh, see, look who's having problems now. <laughs> Boy, how the tables have turned. That, so, so honestly, you know, I, I haven't read these books, um, but my wife, who is an avid reader and a writer. Like she read the books, she really enjoyed the story, and I, I think she echoed a lot of what you just said, TJ. So I'm kind of like confirm you in that she, you know, she was like, "It's surprising to me that these books are so popular when they're so poorly written." Very poorly but written. At, at the same time, it only backs up like what her and I really believe about entertainment, which is like you know, story is powerful,
1: very powerful, you know. Sure. And so
0: even even poorly written or conveyed or even told, if the story is strong enough. It, it, it can it can kind of transcend those inherent flaws and I think that's one of the reasons that she really enjoyed the first uh, the Hunger games movie a lot more than I did because I was like, oh the story's pretty good but I wasn't like kind of disappointed by a poorly written book and was much happier to see uh, a full less flawed product on the screen mm-hmm. and, and and further to further that point I think, My wife has also gone back and much like Chad did, kind of reevaluated how much she enjoyed the first film after Uh she saw this film. Uh, Just because, you know, you're like seeing how good this great story could be told, especially when it's improved upon and improved upon. And so, you know, despite my lack of reading, I just, you know, I'm with you there, TJ, because I trust my wife. Because she's She's smarter than I am.
1: Good on both counts. I'm glad you actually agree with me on something.
0: (laughs) It happens more often than you would think.
1: No, I I know, I know. It's just, it's it's a thing. This film, uh, I was surprised at, A, how emotionally heavy this film was, and that, B, I enjoyed it to the level I did. Because I don't mind a film that has emotional points where you really kind of dip low with the character as he he or she is learning something or whatever this film was pretty much one note with you know hills and valleys between that one note but just one note but it worked i mean because you're in and this is sort of the uh um you know you're kind of in the middle of the trilogy or, or they've turned it into a quadrilogy but you're kind of in the middle, and so you kind of expect that, I guess. You know, there's it's always darkest before the dawn, they say. I, I wouldn't know, I'm always sleeping, but um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so but I, you know, it, it don't don't go see this film if you want something I'm uplifting to see on your weekend for sure, because uh, right, they're they're uh, I don't know, it, it was like they had they were chopping onions in that theater, man. <laughs> 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 it was, it the was the only uh, reason. Yeah, that must have been it. It was. obviously. Did you guys have that problem? I mean, it was rough. <laughs> uh
2: once or twice, maybe.
1: Yeah, maybe. Just a little. Yeah, yeah, I mean
0: definitely. Like there were there were times when
1: it was I was like surprised at how it was getting to me. hmm For sure. Uh which which is why this, this is such a powerful film. Um I did want to address one thing uh that I forgot to actually put in the outline. I, I wrote all my thoughts in the outline so you guys could see them. I'm an open book. <laughs> um But um the one thing that I wanted to address is kind of this idea. I was, I was uh, going back and forth a little bit with a friend on a uh, Facebook about this and they, they refuse to have anything to do with the hunger games because it's glorifying violence. And because wow, you know, they're advocating like Katniss kills these people. How, I mean, she, it doesn't matter. You should never choose to do that. It doesn't matter what situation she's put in. That's immoral. And, and I think they're missing the point. Like I don't think that the the story is ever advocating the killing of other people, even if Katniss has to do it to survive. I don't think it's saying she's making the right decision. I think that's the point. Like, you know what? She's she's this is all she's ever known. And she's going to do what it takes to survive. But she's learning as she goes. Is this the right thing? And you even see that, especially in this film, like in the first film, she did what it took. But even in this film, it's like, how do you she tells PETA at one point, Mm. "How, how do you kill these people? I can't kill these people. And I don't, right. I'm trying to remember. Did she actually even kill anybody in this film? No, I don't think she yes. did. Oh wait, yes. Who?
2: Who? Uh, oh, she does kill the guy who we, kills Wyrus. Yeah. Can we?
1: Yeah. That's I, didn't, true. I didn't want to say because spoiler. I didn't know if we... <laughs> it's, it's okay. By the way, I, I think it's okay. <laughs> we, we do that all the time on this podcast. Yeah, People expect she,
0: it. She arrows that one guy in the chest. Yeah.
1: Although that was a little bit yeah. different. It wasn't like she like. Oh, I'm going to win the Hunger Games. It was like you know. It, it is different when you're thrown in this thing. That you you know you really don't have a lot of control over, and she was pr- protecting someone else even. So, right. At oh, the very beginning
2: of the film, she purposely shoots somebody in the leg so she's not killing him.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you feel like you're on the verge of saying something, Fizz.
0: Well, I was going to say to defend someone's point of view, if they truly believe that, which is honestly a, a personal uh, belief of my own. I mean I'm very anti-violence in general. Sure. I, I, I can see how they would not – be cool even if you know even if she was doing it in self-defense or to protect someone else because if you really are you know anti-violence you're anti-violence not sometimes anti-violence but even with that said people this is my soapbox okay the soapbox that i've i've you know kind of disagreed with you at times with okay getting going into a movie that is one not real OK, no, sure. <laughs> it, looking at us, looking at a story and dismissing a story from the beginning because it contains something that you're against, I think reduces your ability to really understand the things that you either are against or believe. Um, like I, it, it annoys me when people won't go see a film because it's rated something over PG-13. There, there's too many cuss words in it. I don't go see movies with cuss words in it. Okay, I understand that you may not agree with cussing. You personally don't cuss, but we live in a world where there are stories being told. There are narratives being woven that people swear. People say words that are unkind. I mean, so I won't, you know, people won't go see movies and I can understand to a certain degree. Everyone has their own personal convictions about different things, but, you know, some people won't go see a movie even if sex is implied if magic is implied you know if 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 there's someone who's killed you know this is i think that's being very short-sighted about something someone who like i said i'm i'm very anti-violence but i think not engaging the concepts and the 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 woven narratives of violence versus anti-violence in this film especially is doing someone who says they believe that a very big disservice I step back. I step off.
1: No, no, and no it's, it's good. <laughs> I, I would like to ask you, though, like, OK, so as as an anti-violence person, because uh, I, I'm not like I, I am. I am and I'm not like I don't think that you should perpetrate violence against someone like as a general rule. I think there are exceptions to that rule. Um, but as someone who I, I'm hearing, you really don't even believe really in, in exceptions. Um, so you, but you're yet you're OK with this film. So I find that a fascinating perspective to, to kind of look look at from.
0: Well, I mean, like there, there are things that really annoy me about, or that make me cringe when I watch the Hunger Games. And I would, I would say that I'm actually probably anti killing in general, but less than anti violence. I think there's a time to try to defend yourself, but not at the cost of taking another's life. Like I said, we can get into a either a yeah, wh- political or a theological discussion about that. <laughs>
1: There's so much but, discussion I want to have that is just not appropriate <laughs> for this and podcast. I, know, and I, and I don't
0: <laughs> want to go too far down that rabbit hole because I know we could have an amazing discussion about it, but it would get too far off track. But saying that when I personally watched this movie, I don't want, when I see Katniss going to the arena, I want her to do what I would hope I would do, which is do whatever it took to convince everyone else to not kill anybody or, um, go in and use nets or traps to like suppress people until like, there's no way. I mean, that's what I loved about the, the end of the first hunger games movie. You know, they, the, the society said, this is how it is. You only one person can survive. Everyone else has to die. And they said, no.
1: Right. Sure. And that, that's, that's even learning. That's part of what I'm talking about. She's like coming to realize she doesn't want to kill PETA. And she, you know, sure, she was uh, defending Rue at at some points, but she never really wanted to kill anybody. And that just develops as her character develops.
2: Right. And even at the beginning of this film, uh, she has a sort of post-traumatic stress situation where mm -hmm. she's uh, suffering because of the uh, killing she did have to commit in the first film.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean,
2: it's it's. Yeah. It's all about the consequences of these actions she's having to take. Uh, even if she did have to kill somebody out of self-defense, she's suffering from that decision.
0: Yeah. Which is an amazing point, Chad. I'm I'm glad you said that because I was uh, – yeah, that was in my notes for later. But <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, well I'm just glad that someone else is seeing this because back to TJ's point of someone saying like I wouldn't see it because dot, dot, dot. I, I think if you really engage the narrative – and you engage the themes of the actual story. What you know, the conflicts within it aren't just about like bows and arrows flying. It's about the internal struggles of what has to happen um, when when those things do happen. Yeah, for sure. And and if you miss that, then I feel like you've missed an entire level of this film that you didn't get your money's worth.
1: Yeah, and right. and it's kind of like I, I was talking to Chad last week about A Few Good Men, and um, you know, I know people who you know, well, there's there's very strong language and a few good men so we're not going to watch it. Well, would but when okay, and I I like to consider this coming from a filmmaker's perspective. If I were to make a few good men because I I I have made films, right? If I were making a few good men, there's not a lot I would do different. You know why? Because that's the way marines talk. And you you can, you have to portray that, you know, for the story to work. If they if you know, if uh Colonel if Colonel Jack Nicholson, what was his name? Uh uh, jessup jessup if colonel jessup had walked in there and go now Dad, gummit, i'm not gonna tell you you know you, that's not gonna work that's not the way marines talk I mean, you know he used marines use really strong language so um
0: well this is where i would jump in and kind of uh almost defend things that i know that you think tj and everyone has their own personal convictions about what they can and can't consume or what they should and shouldn't consume yeah And as long as they keep those to personal convictions and don't tell me that a movie is bad because it did this or a movie is evil because it did this, then I am completely okay. Because I do think that people are unique and they do have their own uh, beliefs and views. And I do feel like it's probably not edifying or helpful for certain people to go in and watch movies with lots of strong language. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's certainly true. I mean, and, and you know, you take that to the next level, whether that's violence or that's sexual imagery. You know, I think everyone needs to. You know, we did a we did a podcast on Don John a couple weeks back. Right, and, you're a braver and, man
1: than I am. Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, and it has it
0: has a lot of it's dealing with sexual content. Yeah. very very blatantly. And you know, at the beginning of the podcast, we basically had to say, look, you know, we have gone and watched this movie. It is a good film, but it deals with things that maybe. You should really stop and say, "Is this something that I can, you know, that's beneficial for me to watch?" Yeah, you know. And I had I had a pastor on, and we, you know, we were kind of talking about the ins and outs, and I think that applies to everybody. And anytime you watch any movie, I think, you know, if you're a parent or hopefully if you're a mature teenager or young adult, that you're really thinking about what you're going to see and why you're going to go see it. And you know, in this particular case, I don't agree necessarily with the person who uh, has given you a hard time. But at the same time, if they can come up with a valid reason, you know, for them personally, then I can understand at least.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, in everybody. You're right. Everybody brings their own perspectives to the table, and, and you and I know exactly what you're, you know, talking about in terms of, mm-hmm. uh, of you know, where I draw the line, and and you know, I do consider that a personal line. Like I don't fault you for going to see Don John. I I kind of wanted to see it myself, but I just knew that that's just that's over, I think it's probably over my line in terms of sexual content. So. Uh, But back to the Hunger Games catching fire. Um, (laughs) One of the things that I really loved about this film was it didn't, it just didn't feel the need to hold your hand. Like a lot of seconds in a, in a, in a, you know, or, you know, future movies, further movies in a, in a series. They feel like they have to kind of guide you along, and go, oh, remember what happened back here? Well, now this is what's happening here. And this film didn't do that at all. Like if you didn't see the first film, you were probably pretty lost in, in some in some respects of what was going on in this film. There there just wasn't a lot of rehashing of anything. And I actually like that a lot. Like, just sure, yeah. I mean, you're telling a story. This is the second part of a multi-part story, and I don't need to spend, I don't want to waste my money on letting you rehash that. So I actually like that a lot. I've heard that as a criticism of this film. I like it.
2: I think that's another reason uh, to say that the film is probably better than the book in this regard. Um, The book babies you through uh, a lot, if I remember correctly. I mean, it's been about a year and a half since I read it, but um, I remember – it rehashing the first book and the events of the hunger games in the first book throughout the entire second book. And I I was reading these back to back, uh, in a three day setting. And so I, I I was just getting the same information over and over and over again. Right. And so I think that the presentation of the story in the film, uh, this is just further evidence that, um, the, the, the books weren't entirely poorly written, but much of it works better on the screen.
1: I completely agree. And it's very rare that I will agree that that the the film adaptation is better than the book. Although in some ways, obviously, I think you get you get more information over a longer period of time with the book, and that's you know for sure the movie does condense some things. But overall, it's just so much better of a presentation than the book.
2: Yeah, and I th- I think where it works the best on the screen here is uh, the entire first half of the book is the tour, and they're able to n- maybe not condense it. In such a sense, although they do, they condense it, and they just make it easier to watch than it was to read. The yeah. the, the tour in the book for me was just – I mean it was lengthy. It was kind of boring. Yeah. I was just ready to get to The Hunger Games.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. And and here in the movie, I didn't feel that at all. Like I, I was no. like – even though I realized at some point somewhere in the back of my mind, I was like, wow, are we ever going to get to The Hunger Games? At the same time, I didn't care because it was so good. Right. And that was not the feeling in the book at all. Like finally in the book, you're like – Finally the book has gotten started when they got to the Hunger right. games.
2: <laughs> right. That that was probably my biggest complaint about the second book, especially, is that it just starts so slow. And if you're not invested in it, then it's easy to just put it down. Yeah. Um and so the film really improves that here. And they had a really good mon- montage sequence that I think worked very, very well and it was tastefully done. And uh so I, I was really proud of that.
1: Yep. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: As someone who obviously, like I said, didn't read the books, I, I didn't necessarily. I saw the preview, so I knew that they would end up in some type of arena somehow. But uh-huh. I wasn't actually ready for them to go to the arena. Like I, I was enjoying the conflict and the character development that I was getting on the tour.
1: Yeah, just right.
2: I, I, I wasn't tired of that at all. So, right, and don't get me wrong, you do get that in the book. It's just over an entire half of a half of a book mm-hmm. that you get that. And so it, it just becomes a, a chore to, to to sort of dread through.
1: Yeah, it was it was a little bit more of a chore for sure, and and is completely opposite. Like 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 uh, like you're saying, Fizz here in the movie, you you you're 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 fine. I'm fine. I was fine with them going, you know, starting the Hunger Games, but I wasn't like finally. It, it didn't feel that way <laughs> at all. So right. it was definitely a change from the book. You know and, and and this film does really focus in and 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 really hone in on that character development especially of Katniss. Um you know it, it's you know she really I think it is interesting to watch I think the parallels with with Jennifer Lawrence you know herself also coming into as an actor like she was fine in the first film but she brought so much more to this role this time. You know yes. I, I mean I I really Really saw a maturity in the actress between the previous film and this film.
0: I mean, we're basically in the like, like territory now, right? Yes, yes, we are. Yes, yeah. So what, when I'm when I'm looking at movies that are coming out, uh, my wife just got finished. Well, and some of her friends just at a book club, and they finished reading Divergent, and uh-huh. she's she's really excited about Divergent that's coming out. And I said, I'm a little nervous that it's you know you're you're hoping for like Hunger Games kind of quality and the preview isn't telling me that she's like, well, what's the big difference? I said, casting. Yeah, for sure. You know? <laughs> I said, she's like, well, Jennifer Lawrence wasn't that popular when hunger games came out. I said, well, listen here. Um, Jennifer Lawrence wasn't like an Academy award winning, uh, she was actress, nominated. but she was nominated. And not only was she nominated, she was nominated for winner's bone, which I think she m- much more deserved an Academy award for than Silver Linings Playbook.
1: Okay, I haven't seen I mean, either. So,
0: um, so like you start that your your main character is someone who is good, you know, and not just good, but like Academy Award good. And then you surround her with like Woody Harrelson, um, Elizabeth Banks, yes. you know, like Lenny Kravitz, because he always plays these quirky mm. roles. Donald Sutherland. Yes, Donald Sutherland. I agree there for sure. I mean, like I, I'm like. They went all out. They, they they pushed all their chips to the middle of the table, and they got someone who could carry this franchise. And, and she does. And I think it's one of the best parts about this franchise. Um, which is why, like I said, I, I the only reason I compare it to Divergent is you know I think it's real easy to overlook the how important picking the right person for the role is.
1: Yeah, right? I, I agree. And 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 let's be honest. If if Katniss Everdeen hadn't been cast right, the first movie would have been a flop.
2: Exactly, oh, completely.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I think you see that with uh City of Bones. Uh, you know, you really dislike that, oh, yeah, right? It was awful. And I think if they would have <laughs> spent the time finding some actors and actresses that could really carry the story, then well, I mean, obviously they would have to do a couple other things as well, but you know, like that that's that's start that's the starting point um when when you want to translate it into a film. And yeah. I think that wasn't that wasn't done.
1: Yeah, and, and really, most of the casting in this film is pretty good. I mean, even like you know the journey that Effie is taking, which would, I, I you know pretty much mirrors the the journey she took in the book. I, I remember feeling much more affection for her in the second book than in the first book, and the same is true here in the movie. And, and you know, that's a tribute to Elizabeth Banks. You know, in the first movie, she's so petty and and you know fluff, you know, just no no substance. And, and you know, here we're starting to see a little bit of maturing of that character and just kind of realizing, wow, this is this is not cool. What's going on? So, uh, yeah, I was v- uh-huh. very, very happy with that.
2: Yeah, I think that Effie was almost used as a sort of comedic relief in the first film. And uh, here m- my roommate who I went and saw this with, uh, he said that he cried pretty much every time Effie talked. And it's uh, I mean, it was a really emotional performance, even from Effie. And I mean, she's this capital um I mean, the epitome of the Capitol, and here she is crying, apologizing to Katniss and PETA for what's happening to them. Yeah. And uh, it was a really touching moment.
0: I mean, she basically ends up being like an analogy for the sentiment of like the districts, you know, like it's like everything's okay, everything's fine, status quo. And I love the fact that she her character goes on a journey in this movie uh, emotionally and kind of hopefully ideologically. Right. And I think when she does that, the audience really can get behind her. And Elizabeth Banks brings a lot to the the role in general.
1: Yeah, I mean, how it's it's amazing. How does she play that character who's so silly, and yet make you? I mean, because she's in the midst of her saying something that's completely silly. She's bringing that weight and that emotion and that gravitas to that in such a way that you're you know you're practically in tears as she's kind of you know. Remember those trinkets I talked about? Well, these are those trinkets, you know, and you're sitting there. Normally, they'd be just like, oh, Effie, jeez. You know, and, <laughs> and, but but she's doing it in such a way that it just really, you know, gets you, you know. Oh, so, I right. agree. Yeah. Uh, they made some alterations to the book in the first film, uh, to the story from the book in the first film where – uh, th- th- you didn't get any sense of rebellion going on at all in the first book. Th- there was none of that. And they because they knew what was coming, I guess, they kind of added that in where you would cut to the districts and see them rebelling and, and or or, uh-huh. or you know rioting a little bit or whatever. And that, that worked really well as a lead-in to this film, I thought. And they, they yeah, built they, on that really well. Yeah, they just sort of hinted at it at the
2: end of the first film, but I think that's all it needed, so it wasn't uh, just so out of the blue in the second film.
1: What, like it was in the book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've, I've gone on record that Jennifer Lawrence is the best casting decision they've made in this, in this film's franchise to date. And I stand by that. But there are two other film casting decisions in Catching Fire that really worked. Uh, one is from an actor that we know of or I know of, and that's a Philip Seymour Hoffman. Beautiful. Uh-huh. N- nailed that role so well. Um, just, you know, he's got just enough of that creepiness that had, had I not known the story, I'm pretty sure I would have believed every bit of his performance, you know, up until the point where there's the plot twist and he's got
2: this, uh, sort of dry raspy voice and it's almost like unnerving to listen to him talk because he's sitting there, uh, plotting Katniss's demise with, uh, the president. And it's, it's just sort of almost sends a chill up your spine the way he delivers it. Uh, but the twist is believable when that moment comes
1: sure it is and that's a tribute to philip seymour hoffman who i usually love to hate i mean he's usually like the roles that i've seen him in are like ew you know but that i think and that's all the more reason why i think it worked for me the other casting choice i think that was superb uh and and played a, an important enough role was jenna malone who i've never heard of before as joanna robinson um she jo- was perfect yeah sorry did, did, did i get the name right joanna robinson
2: i don't remember um, we'll go with it.
1: Okay, you, you acted like I didn't, that's all.
2: Oh, I don't remember. Um, for some reason I thought it was something else, but I may be completely wrong.
1: Mason, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Robinson is somebody Mason. I listen to on a podcast. You, I was thinking that didn't sound right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Joanna Mason, sorry. Okay, so, uh, yeah. What 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 do you guys think? Go ahead, Mikey. Uh, you, you mean, like, specifically with those two characters? Or just, or just the- you know, or if you have anything else to add in, in regards to the casting.
0: Well, in general, my likes of the film centered mostly around the great, like I said, casting choices. I I didn't have anything to compare her to, but Jenny Maloney it was like she was a bright spot. And from what I understand, she kind of nailed that. Um, I love Philip Seymour Hoffman and basically everything that he's I think he's an amazing actor. And no matter what he's called on to do, he like I said, I've never seen a movie with him in it that I haven't enjoyed. And to a certain degree, that's the same thing with Jenna Maloney. I haven't seen any movies with her in it that I haven't enjoyed her in as well. Um, But I know Jennifer Lawrence is like the star and I think she's the best casting decision. But in this movie, I really think that, and we've kind of already hit on this, but I think Elizabeth Banks does the best job really um, Uh with, with what she has to do. Because she is acting like a person who has been one way all her life, that's given a job that she apparently likes to do and has to convey to me without saying, I'm wrestling with this, like out loud, Um, emotions and a slow transition over the course of the movie. And I think that was very difficult, whereas I felt like Jennifer Lawrence, she did a good job in this movie, but I felt most of the time it was like, be brooding and untrusting. (laughs) <laughs> and she did a great job at being brooding and untrusting. <laughs> but I mean, uh-huh. like I think when Elizabeth banks was on like, kind of like Chad's describing his friend, like anytime she was on screen, I wasn't, um, I was focused on uh, Elizabeth banks, character as Effie. And it, it kind of follows one of my other likes which, which is like in this movie, unlike the first one, I felt like I was shown a lot and not told a lot. Mm. And that's one of my uh-huh. favorite things about watching movies. I love being shown and not told. And like I said, uh, Effie never came out and said, "Oh, I'm really wrestling with if this is right or wrong." But we see her in a long transition of things are still okay, right? Uh, things are obviously not cool, you know. And that just that uh, crescendo into basically, you know, crying for uh, the apology, you know, while she's giving this apology to you know, PETA and Katniss. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, that to me was. Uh, I think the show is Um but, you know, I, not to understate Jennifer Lawrence being an amazing
2: actress. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, we haven't gotten into the dislikes yet, so I won't I won't talk about it yet, but there's only really two roles and the two actors in this film that I'm just like, ugh. Which I'm excitedly ready to disagree with. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, the Only the last thing I have, and then, uh, Chad, I know you have some things here, is uh, just um, – you know i know people had some problems some people that i've listened to on different on a different podcast had some problems with the end of the film uh i thought it was perfect and the just the the emotions that Katniss is going through as the the film the the camera kind of zooms in on her face there uh it it was a perfect way to end the mid section of a of a of a franchise of of films i thought
2: i agree um the, you really see the sort of shock at um well i, I have we wrong the spoiler bell yet
1: yeah go ahead we're, we're spoiler spoiler alert here we spoiler go alert. okay yes.
2: uh her reaction to the news that her district her home is gone completely like obliterated from the face of the earth um you see that shock and then you see that sort of develop into this really intense uh uh depression almost um and then all of a sudden it twists into anger in the last second and it's it's really uh quick shift that this happens in uh but it's there's each defined moment that and and it's just another testament to her acting abilities
1: yeah and it's interesting because like that anger that she has it's it's not just anger at the capital it's anger at everybody and everything in life cuz she would not have chose to do the things that led to her district's uh burning basically right. like she would not have chose that she wanted to try to save her district and she was basically put in this position cuz she didn't know anything about the plan and she was forced into this and and yes on one level especially us you know the the omniscient audience who can see kind of the whole big picture yet yeah, this is probably what needed to happen in order to take the capital down but uh-huh. at the same time, you could see, like, she would never have chosen to defy the Capitol in such a way that in order to retaliate, President Snow sends the troops to wipe out her, her village, basically. Like, she would not have chosen to do that. So the anger is at everybody and everything in her entire life.
2: Uh-huh.
1: You know?
0: Yeah, but she needs to get over some of her control issues. She she <laughs> she always is making she, – she is making the decision for everybody all the time. That's she's true. like – you know, she's like – you have to keep Peta alive. You know, I have to protect my, you know, my mom and my sister. But everyone in her life is like, "It's okay, Katniss. We know what the consequences are. These things are important."
1: Yeah, and this is very and, much the way she was in the book too. And I remember feeling that in the book, like, "Let it go, Katniss. People are <laughs> trying to help you. They, they're trying to help you." <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was really one of my
0: only dislikes. That, well, besides the fact that this this convoluted plan they have. Like, like Katniss could have easily been killed very quickly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's like um, people have criticized it for that. But I mean, I think like that was the always an, a, a risk. I mean, you know, yeah. I think they even go into the next book about, you know, I think she has this conversation. I, I I don't remember. Maybe I had this conversation in my head or, or made it up. But like this conversation with with Plutarch, like, you know, you could have killed me, you know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, but we had to find some way to get you out, <laughs> you know, and it had yeah. to be believable. It had to be real. We, you know, the president could never at any point believe that he wasn't fully invested in, in killing her. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So, so besides like that plot disgruntlement that I think can be easily explained by exactly what you just said, I, I would say the, the, just her utter refusal to trust those around her was just an annoyance to me. But at the same time, I tend to let things like that slide because of the, you know, I didn't write the character. And I, I'm choosing to to get into the head of someone who doesn't think and act like me, and I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, well, and and I mean, you could almost say – I'm not excusing it, as I'll, I'll reveal in a minute, but you could almost say it's a way that she as a character needs to grow, but except that uh-huh. she never does. <laughs> she never well, really does I, learn to let that go.
2: I think that's almost one of the themes of the film, though, is and the book, is independence versus interdependence, whether uh, everything she does – can, she only trusts herself to get things done, but really she has to rely on everybody else to uh, make it through. She has to rely on PETA, Finnick, uh, Joanna, Beattie. I mean, all these people are helping her to stay alive, and uh, she she's having to make that realization herself um, yeah. that she is not the only one keeping her alive.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we're we're starting to run long, and you've got quite the lengthy list here, Chad. And I don't know what else. uh, Uh, We've already really
2: touched on these. Um, Okay. Well, uh, I mean, I'll just mention a couple. Um, One of my favorite shots of the movie was um, toward the well, at the very end, when Katniss is being lifted from the arena, as it crumbles around her, and the sunlight has shined down, and her arms are spread, and it's just it was it was a really cool. She's the Mockingjay moment. You know, <laughs> did did, he, did either of you catch that like the first time? I did not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen it twice, so maybe I cheated a little bit. But I think I thought it the first time as I, I saw it as well, um, where uh, you've just got this moment. She has defeated the Capitol in that instant. And uh, she's being lifted up and she's the Mockingjay that they've been setting her up to be the entire film. Yeah. Uh, so that was very, very cool. And I thought that the arena, the, the whole clock uh, thing was done very well. And um, Let's see. Um, I liked all the character relationships. Um, I thought that President Snow was even more menacing here oh, than sure. he was in the first film, and it worked really, really well. Um, I really liked Donald Sutherland as the president, though he wasn't how I originally pictured him the first time. Um, he's really grown on me in the, the one I love to hate kind of way. And uh, I love that his granddaughter... They they added these little scenes with his granddaughter um, wearing Katniss's hairstyle and talking about how she wishes she would love somebody uh, the way Katniss loves Pito one day. And uh, it, it was just the icing on the cake for me. Um, so, I mean, we see this hatred developing over the course of the film for Katniss and we see his own blood is uh, idolizing her and the person she is.
1: Biz, what about uh, you? What else have you got in the? before we move on to things we might not have liked so much?
0: Um, well, I will say the reason I really, really enjoyed this movie now that we have hit spoiler alert <laughs> is because when I finished watching this movie it gave me the exact same feeling of another movie that is a beloved film that, like I said, hopefully doesn't incense you for even making this analogy. But... <laughs> In, in, in *Catching Fire*, we basically have a movie that picks up in media rest. You know, we don't get lots of explanation. We don't have to because we were totally into the first film. There is a sense that thing by the end of the film. There is a sense that things are pretty bleak, but it's not over, and there is just a glimmer of hope. You have a rebellion right on the brink. There is no longer a <laughs> place to really, really call home. Katniss is saved at the end by comrades, some of which she thought her in, were her enemies up until the getaway. And for all we know, PETA could be frozen in carbonite. Oh, come
1: <laughs>
0: on. <laughs> I mean, like, so like I said, I am I, I would never say that the Empire Strikes Back or, or this is as good as the Empire Strikes Back. But the feeling I got when I left this movie was the exact same. Um, I was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. Like, you know, things are going very poorly but there's just a glimmer of hope and there's some people who are willing to fight against something that's much much larger and has much you know much more well armed and better and everyone is still there everyone still has a sense of concern for the characters not just for the mission yeah um, i mean i so, see what you're getting at i'll try to i'll try to overlook the uh, the so like i said i still think empire is a much better movie one of the best movies ever made if not the best movie, you know, but like that's the feeling that I
1: got, which is one of the reasons I enjoy the movie so much. I'll try to overlook a classless comparison.
2: I agree with you. Fiz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on your
1: side. <laughs> Tag team of kids, TJ. Okay. Yes. Um, all right. So are you guys ready to talk about some things I might not have liked? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, the, like, like one of the first things for me that stood out in, in the first film, uh stanley tucci's caesar flickerman was like a highlight like i loved his character i loved his acting as the character and in this film he feels really flat like what happened
2: i don't agree with you i loved him every time he was on the screen this film too
1: okay i I think he was a fun character
2: i I laughed at what he said i mean he still had that same sort of energy and uh i i liked that um when the tributes started holding hands and they uh, were all unified he has that look like oh no is this happening we better cut no nope. cut cut turn it off okay here we go uh yeah i, I don't every, know I, I thought he did a great job yeah
0: every time he was on i was i was laughing audibly along Same with most okay, people so he, that we you saw. didn't
1: feel like he was he you felt like he was as, as good as he was in the first film oh i thought he was better yeah, sure okay I, I i okay sure all right all right the uh no you guys are probably gonna maybe uh put up some uh uh, resistance to this one I feel like our male leads in this film are neither compelling nor believable and Hutcherson in particular I think is really poorly cast I think that this film really shows the weakness in his casting I, I feel like he could have been much better cast it feels like he's just sort of along for the ride and uh I really don't like Liam Hemsworth's Gale very much either. I mean, it's just not – this is not working for me. <laughs> mm.
2: <laughs> mm. Yes, uh, Chad. Mm. <laughs> if you think so, TJ. <laughs> yeah, perfectly. Well, I'll, well I'll okay.
1: See. Draw your swords, guys. Come on. Okay.
2: I mean, uh, you go ahead, Mikey. I've read the books.
0: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll concede this. I, I'm, no, I'm no super fan of Liam As Gail, he doesn't do a ton for me, but I think Jennifer Lawrence sells that relationship enough where it works for as little as he's on screen. Um, now Peta, on the other hand, I am not really a Josh Hutcherson fan. I've never seen him anything that I was like, oh man, Josh Hutcherson's really good. But he brings like a a very non spectacular feeling to this role, which is what I'm assuming that I'm supposed to get. He seems like a normal boy who loves a girl and though that's what he does Um, yeah he's the boy next door yeah he he is not like uh, he's not liam you know hemsworth he you know he's not a drunk woody harrelson he's just (laughs) a good guy who loves a girl and he is willing to lay down his life and i love the fact that um uh gosh i i think it's woody harrelson's character that said no who is it someone says you know, you don't deserve him or whatever. Yeah. It's Heyman. She felt
1: like that was so completely unearned. Like it's earned in the books. It's not earned in the movies. Oh, I
0: thought it was earned. I I thought I completely was with it in the movie. I was like, man, this dude will do anything for her. You know, he knows that he's basically being a prop in this story and he does whatever he can, because he knows that in the end, even though she may never love him, it will still be for, you know, it, it still helps her. And he, you know, he he does not concerning himself with, uh, you know, the reciprocation of the love that you know he wishes he had. And I think his his genuineness in his boy next door eventually starts to win her over. Um, at least that's, I mean, that's the way I get from an audience member. And like I said, he's not spectacular, but I don't think he's supposed to be spectacular.
1: Right. Eh, so. I suppose. I mean, Chad, I'm surprised with at you knowing where this is going that you you know i don't feel like he's earned how you know how much we're gonna get in the next film as the in the book i mean in the book he did i just don't feel like in the films he's earned quite the respect that he needs in order to for things to unfold correctly in the next two films
2: yeah i mean maybe i don't remember the books as well as you'd like me to i'm not sure but uh I, i think that josh hutcherson does a great job here and i love um i thought that the character relationship between Katniss and PETA was very well done here. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I I think it's really interesting that the lines between real and fake affection from Katniss to PETA, um, are, are shown like both. I think Katniss and the audience doesn't know whether her growing affections are real or just more staged. Uh, I mean, she she doesn't know. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a realization for both of us that, uh, uh, Katniss just might be falling for the sky.
1: Yeah. And that's acting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is acting. It's, it's very good acting on Jennifer Lawrence's part. I will give you that. I've already agreed to that. I've stipulated as much. Um, all right, guys. You, you can't have... like. There's got to be some things you guys don't like about the film, though, too.
2: I, um, I think... Well, go ahead, Jed. No, I mean, I, I can't really think of anything that stands out to me. I'm sure there's little nitpicky things here and there, which is why I don't give it a perfect rating, but... Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't think of anything that just stands out as, oh, man, I wish they'd done that better.
0: Okay. Um, I, I didn't think that it was something right when, when I left, but reading some of the notes that you, got, you, uh, you and Chad put in the show notes before really made me realize that it, in the back of my head, it did kind of bother me that I never really felt like people were watching the games. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, that, that, that did annoy me looking back at it and because I I feel like a lot of the, the crux, you know, the, the entire pivotal understanding of the movie is that everyone is watching her all the time. And I felt like no one was watching the games like, and I, I needed to see people being affected by it, not just being hearing about it. I mean,
1: yeah, and that's one of the big things in the books. Like, uh, Plutarch has this thing playing, like, they can't stop the broadcast of what's going on, you know, uh, in in the book. If unless I'm completely remembering something wrong, that's my remembrance. And it has been a little while since I've read the books, but but there was certainly more of a sense of the watching world and seeing things kind of go crumbling down for the capital that just wasn't present in this film, Mm -hmm. which is odd.
0: well, I'm guessing that's probably what we're going to get a lot of in the, since they split up the last movie into two movies. Yeah. We're going to get a lot more of the how is this affecting the larger world?
1: I, I really <laughs> haven't got a sense of, of where they're going to split that thing, though. It, although I remember feeling the same way about uh, Harry Potter 7 and 8. Like, how do you split that book in two? Because they're right. like, how do you do that? And they and they did it OK, <laughs> although I wasn't super pleased with the second with, with Harry Potter 8. But um, 7 was great. Anyway, um you know, so who knows, maybe they'll find a good way to split it. I just don't see how you can split that third book in, in correctly, but we'll see. We'll see. You, you could be right. All right. So, well, uh,
2: Sorry, just to touch on this. Um, I, I see both sides of the spectrum. I agree with what you're saying about us not getting enough of the outside perspective during the games. Um, and I do think that was addressed great in the first film. Uh, we, we did get to see, uh, how people were reacting while the games were going on. And I, I would have liked a little bit of that here, but I think that they did set it up pretty well where we knew that, that, uh, that they are watching that that was shown in the first film. We know that rebellion is happening in the districts during this film and the hunger games as they're occurring is a punishment for the people, um, the, for the victors. And so I, I, I see it both ways. I, I, I don't know. I don't know which way I would prefer, but I do understand where you're coming from.
1: All right. Um, the A couple other things for me. Uh, the music felt really, really rehashed. Like, complete cues were reused. And, like, they were trying to sell it as, some of it, as like, well, this is the theme of the Hunger Games that the Capitol plays. But I never really got that feeling from the first film. Like, it was the score, not, not just, not, not the music that the Capitol plays. And and that added to it, but there were just other themes and, and music too that was just completely a uh, re complete almost almost identical cue. Like, why are you guys doing that? I don't know. I mean, I I, re- I'm big on connectivity. Like, I want it to feel the same, but I didn't want it to be the same.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, as I said in the notes, I, I just downloaded the full score yesterday, and I haven't listened to the whole thing. But while watching the film and listening to that, the only two themes I can remember. Being repeated are Rue's Farewell from the first film, which they played in District Eleven during the tour, and that was appropriate. And then the Horn of Plenty theme, which is the Capitol's anthem, uh, which they do set up in the first film, and mm-hmm. so I didn't. That didn't bother me at all. Um, but like I said, you may be right. I haven't listened through the whole score. I'm pretty sure it was um, the
1: almost the exact same cue, like when they were doing the the reaping as well. Mm. And I don't remember other specifics. I'd have to. I'd have to watch again. I, it just felt very. Reused and I don't like that. I never like to feel like the music's reused. So, anyway, uh, w- uh, let's see. Yeah, two more things, and then we'll see if you guys have anything else. Um, if you hadn't read the books, uh, how would you know what was going on with the blood in the, in the president's uh, wine goblet?
2: I don't think you would. I yeah, think that, was, that very, was just, yeah. Or the people who had read the book, and I appreciated it because I've read the book. But Fiz, uh, I bet you were completely like, "What, what just happened? What's what's the significance or did of that?" You,
1: did you even notice it?
2: Yeah, I
0: was going to say when you put that reference in the notes, I I could not think of what you were talking about.
1: So it happens twice, and and the first time is like when they're coming into the uh uh right right as as the uh, quarter quell has been announced, and they're coming up into the, like the circle and the chariots, and you know Katniss and Peeta are on fire, and he takes a sip of wine. And when he puts the goblet back down, it's like full – it's turned blood red. And he, oh, I,
0: yes. I did notice that there was some blood in it. He looked at it, but I, I felt like that was never
1: really fleshed out. Right, and that's what i like – It was not at all. And, and like I wondered if you would even notice it though, and I don't know. It, it's, some, it's semi-important, so I yeah. don't know. I just thought that was a little weird. Like why even why even put it there if if you're not going to take a little bit more time with it and kind of show, you know, something is going on there. And uh so then the, the last thing for me is that while I really enjoyed the time leading up to the Hunger Games themselves, like the the parts of the film that were not the Hunger Games, I felt like once we got to the games, they felt really rushed.
0: And, yeah. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, yeah, the, I w- I would say they were pretty rushed. But at the same time, I mean, the movie was already, what, two and a half hours
1: long? No, I know. I get it. It just it so just, I don't know what they needed to do, but it just felt rushed.
0: Like what I would have been cool. Well, I guess hypothetically I would have wanted more games. But unlike when we remember when we talked about Ender's Game, we, we it was more of a we could have done without this and more of this uh-huh. in this movie. I wouldn't give up anything to have more games. So even though I felt like True. it was rushed, I, there was nothing I would cut instead. True, no, I And agree. it's already, right. at, at, at at two and a half hours, I wouldn't have also added to have more. So, you know, it's one of those catch-22s, like, eh, it's felt rushed, but honestly,
1: I, it, I thought it worked just fine the way it did. No, I totally get it, for sure. I, I'm just saying, I don't know what the fix is, I just didn't like mm-hmm. how rushed the, the, the games felt. So. Alright, you guys got any other things you don't like? i no, Okay. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. All right. Now we come to the ratings because we always follow formula, don't we? <laughs> we <laughs> <Exactly>. do. <laughs> um, no. So so uh, overall, uh, what kind of a rating would you give this film? Viz. Out of five stars, you know that's what we do here. I know you don't like it, but
0: I uh, know that's fine. I, I have. I am totally accommodating about this. Uh, I have given it a lot of thought, and I think because it's one of the only films this year. That I would actually be willing to go back to the theater and pay full price to see again,
1: um, and because did, it, did you see Gravity?
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Gravity is an experience. Once I've experienced it, doesn't hold the same. Um, like it's not going to do it for me anymore because I know what's gravitas. coming. Know.
1: Yeah, the gravitas, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on continue
0: fizz <laughs> so so because because it's one of the few movies that actually did that for me this year you know, of all the blockbusters we had this year very few i would have paid to go see again i gladly you know watch it again later but um it blew me away it gave me the empire strikes back feeling uh i thought it was well done from start to finish it had me engaged i give it four and a half out of five stars wow um wow. It, it was high praise it, it was it was not perfect and I don't give many things uh four and a half I don't give hardly anything five stars and it, it takes an exceptional film. Uh like I said, I was very, very pleased.
1: Yeah, I mean personally I can count on one hand the amount of films that I've given five stars and probably on two hands the amount of films I've given four and a half. May maybe I don't have enough fingers, but would I it's a close <laughs> call. Uh Chad, what do you what did you think?
2: I also give this four and a half out of five stars. Um I think it improves on the first film in just about every possible way. Um, the performances are great. The stakes are higher. And Francis Lawrence is a great addition to the Hunger Games team.
1: For sure. Way better than Gary Ross. I also, not because I I, I'm just not a mold breaker, guys. Four and a half <laughs> out of five stars. I have no opinion of my own. You all know this about me. Uh, but no, really, seriously. I I that that was the the rating that I gave it. Like when I got out of the movie, actually it was the day after because I like to mull it over a little bit. And then when I went on to my uh, letterbox profile and logged that I had seen this film, I gave it four and a half out of five stars. Uh, very very good film. Uh, even better than the first film, which I gave four stars. Uh, And yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I wish Francis Lawrence had directed the first film. Can we get him to go Mm -hmm. back and do it? (laughs) Can we can we retcon the series? You want him to reboot it, TJ? (laughs) No, no, not really. Not really. I'm just I'm just saying, like, he did a really fantastic job. He really brought he had the sense of story that Gary Ross had, but he also had the cinematic uh, proficiency to really bring the film to life um he he had good choreography he had good cinematic style he has a really great eye for what we as the audience need to be seeing what the, where the camera needs to be aimed where, where what the angle needs to be all these things that none of most people don't notice but that lend to the better experience he brought that uh to this film in a way that it really needed and uh very much improved on the first film and this film in my opinion is a must see as even though it's a very emotionally heavy film it's it's a must see. Uh, I it yeah. I don't know what else to say. It's it's a oh. must see fact. The fact
0: that three of us on this podcast all gave it the same rating, I
1: think in and of well, itself explains why you should go see it. The universe exploded when that happened. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <that's, laughs> and, and, we're, I mean we're, we're now floating in in nothingness. Well, I mean, it also <laughs>
0: explains why it's made what three hundred million dollars in the first weekend. Yeah, or in the first right. week, so.
1: Yeah, I, I don't always buy the whole audience critic consensus thing. Like just because everybody says it's good and there's a consensus doesn't mean it actually is. But this time it's true. Yeah, right. So. All right. Well, next week, uh, Chad and I will be talking about The Book Thief. Finally. Yay. Uh, Yay. It's, it's going to be playing in both <laughs> of our areas. Uh, just, just checked. It just came this week to uh, our area in Nashville here. And so I'm very much looking forward to that. Not sure when I'm going to get to see it, given that Thanksgiving and Christmas decorating and the Christmas trees going up and family stuff's happening, but I'll, I'll get out there and I'll see it just for you guys. And I'm sure you will too, Chad. I will. And we'll talk about that uh, next week on the movie Bite podcast. Uh, so guys, uh, thank you very much for being here to talk about this wonderful movie with me. Uh, where can we find your work online Fizz? (laughs) Well, uh,
0: we even started to talk about some of tonight, but if you'd like to take a look at some of the popular films that come out in the theater and whatnot from history and you want to take a more thematic or theological kind of look at it, then check out my podcast, Real World Theology. You can find us on the web at realworldtheology.com, on Facebook, or on iTunes. Uh, You can follow me personally on Twitter at Physification. Or you can follow the podcast for you know just l- notes about when shows are coming out, when stuff's posted, stuff like that, at Real World Theo. And we'll be recording episode 13 on Thor, The Dark World, right after Thanksgiving, and then we'll be gearing up to do one on Catching Fire a couple weeks later. So
1: Awesome. And we should note that real is spelled R-E-E-L. Yes. Not R-E-A-L. So clever. Yes. Very, very <laughs> clever of you. Well, Chad, uh, if people wanted to keep up with your work, where would they do that at? There must be somewhere in this great worldwide web that you're available.
2: There is a convenient site called ChadlikesMovies.com where people <laughs> post my opinions. And sometimes I do. <laughs> and um your, your minions.
1: You usually get your minions to do that for you.
2: I do. Uh they're small and yellow. And um <laughs> anyway, uh so ChadlikesMovies.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and on Twitter at twitter.com slash ch chadadada. C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A-D-A-D-A-D.
1: C-h-a-d-a-d-a-d-a.
2: <laughs> Don't confuse people, <laughs> TJ. Any more than they already are.
1: All right. Um, if you want to follow me, you can do that on Twitter. Uh, I am TJ Draper Pro over there, and uh, you can follow my wide and varied opinions, ranging from theology to politics to movies. I post; I don't hold back, so be be forewarned. But uh, you can do that there. Um, <clears throat> you can also find the work that I do uh, every every weekday. I'll post something or other, usually four to five things some of them are longer some of them are shorter but all on moviebyte.com m-o-v-i-e-b-y-t-e dot com you can also follow moviebyte on twitter if you want to keep up to date with us uh uh, twitter.com slash moviebyte we're on facebook you can like our facebook page at facebook.com slash moviebyte if you want to find show notes for this episode where we'll put the imdb uh link and and stuff like that in the show notes uh won't be a lot for this episode but you know if you want to find those uh, they're at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 70 for this episode. And uh, be sure to find us in iTunes and uh, subscribe to the show and give us a rating and let us know what you think. Feel free to interact with us in the comments on the website. And uh, that's it. That's all we've got for this week. And uh, we thank you for putting up with our, what are we, at almost an hour, and 20, an hour and 40 minutes. So thank you for putting up with us. We really enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Bye. Bye.